John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Joining us is Dave Wyman for our Wednesdays with Wyman. And a very important Wednesday because the Seahawks pulled off a much-needed trade. Carlos Dunlap going from Cincinnati to uh, Seattle in exchange for B.J. Finney, who did not play an offensive snap this year. He was on more of like three, four plays on special teams. And then you got uh, you know, a seventh-round pick going over there. And so there's still going to be, I think, more things that can happen because there's about a $2.5 million cap gap that has to be resolved, which you know they'll, they'll figure out whether it's dealing a player or whether it's going to be to uh, you know, restructure a contract. But uh, first, your reaction to what the Seahawks were able to acquire. Well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, John. They're in everything. Yeah. I mean, they're in the, there. There was a, a lot of talk, and his name came up yesterday. You know, we were talking about on our show about whether or not, and I, I don't know if it was uh, Jim or Bob that brought it up that, you know, this guy's not happy in Cincinnati. Mara had uh, gotten us the tweet, you know, where he mm-hmm. was putting his condo, which sounds like a beautiful condo, by the way, uh, on the market. And um, so, yeah, and I went back, you know, look, he had three huge plays against the Seahawks last year. In Cincinnati, the guy's got, uh, you know, he's averaging about eight sacks the last four years, was drafted in 2010. But, you know, and I see what happened there, and it just didn't work out for him. I mean, he was 70% of the plays, 52% of the plays in the first four games. You know, he was the number one or number two D lineman as far as participation goes. But then all of a sudden it dropped off where he was only 29, 28, 12 plays the last game he played with them. So, I guess it just they they didn't like his effort or I, I don't know they they said that they were trying to do it based on merit and that he did not you know earn uh, the the reps that he was getting so he wasn't happy the thing with B J Finney never worked out here I think you know and I I I'm not sure if he didn't show up in shape or he wasn't ready to go and I know that there was a, a little bit of um, some mystery there because if any, you know, if this hadn't been the whole COVID-19 thing, they might have, you know, been able to get a better look at him, but he just didn't seem to show up ready. So getting rid of him, uh, Ethan Posick, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, John, um, that Ethan Posick has been one of the great surprises on this team, man. I mean, we have not even talked about him and he's been nothing but solid. You haven't seen any problems coming from Ethan Posick and you know, we thought BJ Finney was going to end up being the uh, you know, the, the the center and then you trade him away, you end up trading him away and getting what you really need, which is pass rush. Yeah, no doubt, and that's the uh, that's the thing I think is so good. And in a lot of ways, because it was funny, because you know, you know me all. What do I do all day? It's like uh, you know, pound, you look pound, at your database. Yeah, looked at my database and all that stuff. And then you know, I'll go and you know get either some food for myself to bring home or something for Pat. And I'll sit there and you know have all my stuff because people look at me crazy because I always come in with my clipboard, the clipboard I would always bring to the Seahawks <laughs> games in the sidelines when you know we were. And then the you talk to all the people yeah, in yeah, the yeah, NFL yeah, yeah, that you yeah. know. Yeah, and of course you know. So I'm always studying these things. And so, you know, because I know yesterday the topic was, and you you and everybody asked, it's like, okay, what about Dunlap? What about Ryan Kerrigan? I said it's going to be tough because what you're looking at is that uh, they have big base salaries. And so, like, for example, they're going to have to pay, uh, you know, close to $5 million, which the money is irrelevant. It's the cap right now because they only had $1.3 million of cap entering uh, this morning. And so it's like, okay, how are they going to try to work this out? And so then I started thinking about it last night. 
And I said, oh, okay, I can see here how this could go. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, they're down four offensive linemen possibly this week because of injuries. And obviously this isn't going to help them this week getting B.J. Finney. But if you move B.J. Finney's contract, and then maybe I was even thinking about Jacob Hollister as much as I'd hate to see him go. I mean, the only thing that yeah. uh, is you know, the one point, you know, is, he makes $3.2 million, which, of course, he deserves. But again, you know, they could use that cap room to be able to do some more things. And so I thought, you know, the tight, starting tight end for the Bengals is out. He's out for the season with a torn Achilles. And so I said, oh, OK, so what about uh, no draft choice? But you have Hollister. You have uh, B.J. Finney going over, and it's like then you get Dunlap. And, of course, my guess is is that uh, they took the position. It's like, no, it's like we'd rather have the seventh-round pick. And John Snyder said, fine, we'll do that. And, you know, what you still wonder about, could Hollister go to, say, New England for a seventh-round pick? Because they've got nothing right now at tight end. It's, I mean, eight right. catches total. And so I'm kind of wondering about that. But, you know, I, I did come up, and I even said it this morning, which I guess I feel good about, that it's like I can see Cincinnati because, I mean, as long as B.J. Finney's in and they can eventually get him in to play some offensive line and they know him better than Seattle because, again, they've played against him in two games a year when B.J. Finney right. would at least fill in at guard and center. That's right, when he's with the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the big question is Dunlap. I mean, does he fix the problem? And just defensively right now, what what's going on? It's it just such such a mystery to me. I mean, I, I'm just looking at some of the things. I, I found a bright spot, though, John. Okay. Uh, did a football 101 thing. Jordan Brooks, uh, mm-hmm. he did a couple of things in that game that's that are, I called it, promising. You know, and that's all you can do with the defense. You can't say, oh, this was great. I mean, because they're not great. But, you know, if you have, you know, Quentin Dunbar, I've called promising, but Jordan Brooks coming off of an injury and then filling in at the, the Will linebacker and just the reads. He had a great pickup on a, a deep crossing route. He played that uh, that play down on the goal line really well. And and the thing that, that's good about it is that he's reading his keys. You know, he, he knows the rules in the defense, and he's he's playing really well. But, you know, I just don't know if Carlos Dunlop is going to be enough to fix what the defense has going on right now. I hope so. But, you know, there there's some guys that are playing well. But, man, after going back and looking at that film, I just got more and more depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Arizona game watching that. So, And then and now you've got a, a pretty beat-up team coming in here. But it doesn't matter because they're so well coached. Oh, yeah. Shanahan is such a good coach. And, you know, it was that way last year. Just plug in whoever, and their run game's going to work. You know, their passing game, they do a lot of play action, and they're one of the best coached as far as the running game goes that, that I've ever seen. So it's going to be, uh, you know, the Seahawks defense is going to really have to be on it. Otherwise, I mean, you saw they put up 33 points on what, what's a pretty good defense in New England. I'm going to go to your expertise on this because in Dunlap you're talking a six six player that's over 280 pounds. Is he better suited at the five technique or can he yeah. play Leo? Well, that's what I thought too. I was thinking the same thing, John. Going, okay, is he that quick twitch guy? No, I think probably. Well, and they're going to possibly get Taylor back, and we'll see how that works out. Just because I think it's going to be tough for him. Because, you know, no reps or anything when they do get him back. But, you know, you've got Benson Mayoa. I, I've been very impressed by Benson Mayoa. He, he's made a lot of plays. And, on, as, for instance, the, the tackle that Brooks makes down on the goal mm-hmm. line, uh, Benson Mayoa makes that happen by fighting across a, a block. And he just kind of widens the whole thing out. So I, I like Benson Mayoa. But I would say, yeah, Carlos Dunlop looks more like the five-technique guy. 
uh, than he does, you know, the guy coming off the edge. So, but does, does but, he have know, enough edge rush that he can at least, uh, you know, get some plays at Leo uh, until yeah, uh, Taylor I, comes back? Yeah, maybe. I mean, every once yeah. in a while. I mean, look, yeah, because you look at it and you just go, well, is he a good football player? I mean, does he fit that mold? Is he Bruce Irvin? No. But, you know, can he rush off that edge from that position? Sure. Yeah, let's put him out there. Let's see. I mean, he's just a good football player. Like mm-hmm. I said, he's getting eight sacks a, a game. But I was thinking the exact same thing and thinking, yeah, he's probably more of the, the – and that's what they were talking about with Everson Griffin, you know, possibly bringing him in. And that's really where they've been kind of light, right? I mean, Rasheem yeah. Green is that guy, and he's not been able to play. You know, Alton Robinson only played like eight snaps. Seven. seven he can yeah. play that. Seven, yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and, I mean, and the idea was that they wanted Shaquem uh, Griffin in there to chase down uh, the running backs yeah. or Kyler Murray. So you can understand right. what they were doing in that regard. And yeah, in that, that fact, they that, even had him standing up. So in, a, in reality, it was more of like a 3-4 type of scheme. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was like a like a linebacker in there, extra linebacker. Yeah, and the, I mean, he was probably spying, too, doing some spying. Yeah, a little bit. I think he was in there. Even though they were putting him on the edge, mm-hmm. they, you know, they had they had him rushing him. So and he had a couple of uh, couple of chances there. But anyway, yeah, it was just uh, it was just discouraging to watch. But we'll see. I mean, I think if they can just fix a few things about in their pass coverage, yeah. you know, and a lot of it picking up like the deep crossers and zones and stuff like that, then I feel like it's a talented enough defense. John, to you know that that they shouldn't be ranked where they are. I, I don't think it's a lack of talent. No. Especially, especially well, on the defensive line, for, maybe it is. Yeah, but you know now you trade for Dunlap, mm-hmm. and I mean that's some question. But look, you got, you got really talented linebackers. You got really a, a good safety duo when you get Adams back, and you know if you can have Shaquille and Dunbar out there, I think they have enough talent to turn it around. But. You know, they just got to start playing together. No doubt. And, of course, you mentioned uh, Jordan Brooks on Football 101. How does everybody get Football 101, and what do you got on it? Yeah, you go to the website uh, on the front page. and uh, 710sports.com. Uh, yeah. 710sports.com, yep. Yeah. And uh, they just put it up, and Stephen Burrell does a great job of putting that all together. And look at a couple of plays from Jordan Brooks. There you go. And, of course, uh, Dave, we're looking forward to talking to you at 4 o'clock today. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, by the way, you can just listen to the show in the 710 Sports app, powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we get out every day. We get the good, the bad, the ugly. We take a look at the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes. We take the social media comments. And we also take the voices and attach grades to what's said and done. And, of course, Curtis Rogers here every day to give us the report card. So what we got? Well, John, uh... Well, during the top five, we we roasted the Tampa Bay Rays for their handling of Blake Snell last night and just pulling him well before he was ready to go. Nine strikeouts through five and a third innings pitch. Hadn't allowed a run at all through that point. Uh, Here's Blake Snell following the game yesterday talking about getting pulled and and just how he felt. Yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, it it sucks. And I want to be the guy that stays out there as long as I can and, you know, give this team the chance to win every ball game. And it sucks, you know, being pulled. But, yeah, pretty much that's it. That was one of my better games I've pitched uh, in a long time, honestly. So um, the way I was controlling the zone, you know, the way I was adjusting through the uh, seeing them, you know, I mean, I felt very comfortable out there. 
John, how are we grading the managerial decision by Tampa Bay Rays uh, manager Kevin Cash to pull Blake Snell well before pretty much everyone thought he was ready to go? It was an F. I mean, that's a, that's the idea where you think your coaching is more important than the the players themselves and what you're seeing on the field. Because when you have him out there, he he won the freaking Cy Young Award. Okay, the Cy Young Award, and he's out there dealing in his best game of his career, probably, you know, 73 pitches. And it's like, oh, we can't have Blake Snell go through the order third time. I mean, that's they're going to get they're going to get him. And they end up putting out, as you mentioned, the pitcher that has been hit the most on a good bullpen as far as giving up runs in consecutive games. And they put him out there. I mean, this I mean, I know that people are going to bring up the 2013 Super Bowl game uh, where, you know, the play at the one-yard line and all that stuff. But this even tops that. I mean, because here you have a pitcher that's dealing. I mean, he's shutting out the Dodgers. And the first thing that happens is that he comes in and, of course, with a relief pitcher and blows a run. That's where coaching, he thinks, is more important than the players. If I'm Blake Snell, I'm wanting a trade. Yeah, I give it an F as well for all those reasons you mentioned, John. He was absolutely in control of that game and and shutting down a Dodgers lineup that is among the most stacked in baseball. Heck, it's the most stacked in baseball. A a team that's got uh, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager. I mean, those are three A-plus talents in, in all of baseball. And he had no trouble setting them down last night. Uh, the next three batters that Blake Snell was going to face, uh, I believe, were Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, and uh, Corey Seager. In that game last night, before he was pulled, Blake Snell uh, had gotten those three batters to strike out every single time they were at the plate. Those guys went 0 for 6 with six strikeouts against Blake Snell on Tuesday night. And they went and pulled him just because of what the numbers had told Kevin Cash at that point in the lineup. I get that analytics controls a lot of baseball, and and I I buy into a lot of sabermetrics with baseball and how teams are built and whatnot. But in that moment, you've got to ride with the guy that got you there. And Blake Snell not only got the race to that point, but I think he was going to carry them to a Game 6 victory. And who knows how how Game 7 might have played out. Uh, I give Kevin Cash an F for that. Uh, just an, an absolutely brutal, back-breaking decision that uh, is going to haunt him until Tampa Bay gets another opportunity to win uh, a World Series. Speaking of the World Series, John, uh, a very odd sight in last night's game. Justin Turner, third baseman for the Dodgers. He was pulled midway through the game without really an explanation. Uh, the Fox broadcast didn't really have anything for any any news about why Turner was getting pulled in the middle of the game. And then following the game, Kevin Burkhardt of Fox, he had announced that Justin Turner tested positive for COVID-19 in the middle of the game. There was some delays with his test. They sent it to that lab back in Utah, uh, and then the information was relayed. It didn't get to Texas in time for the game, uh, and then they found out about the sixth inning. That's when Turner was pulled. But... An odd sight after the game, even with his positive test, Turner was out there celebrating with his teammates, uh, not wearing a mask, touching the, the World Series trophy, just acting as though nothing had happened. Here's Buster Olney of ESPN uh, giving his thoughts on seeing Turner out there and if Major League Baseball will punish the Dodgers organization. I don't think they will, um, and the reason why is because I, I you know, they, they it, during the course of this whole situation, um when they started up the you know the summer camp and then got ready for this truncated 60 game season we always heard about 
uh, how, well, if if players don't follow the protocol, then there's going to be discipline. That was never fully defined. Um, so there was never a negotiated settlement with the Players Association key where Major League Baseball and, and the PA said, okay, this is what's going to happen if a player doesn't follow the rules. It's clear that the information got to Justin Turner uh, about what happened, and he didn't come off the field. But if you're Major League Baseball and you, you want to enforce some kind of discipline on it, then where ultimately is uh, you know the, the absolute bedrock where everyone knew, knew what the rules were? So, John, how are we grading Major League Baseball's handling of this situation? Because it sounds like Turner may have known that he had tested positive before he was pulled and yet refused to come out of the game until ultimately I think Major League Baseball stepped in and said, hey, bud, you got to get out of here. But then he came back out on the field yeah. to celebrate. How are we grading I'm getting two mess? Fs. I mean, first off, I mean, what are you doing in not taking the NBA tests, which are done and you can get the results very quickly, as opposed to sending to a lab and it's going to take a day? That's ridiculous. Again, it just shows how bad baseball has been, even though they've been able to get the season in, get the playoffs in, and all that. But it just kind of shows you how their protocol is just all messed up. F to baseball, and definitely an F for Turner. Selfish move. I mean, what you're going to end up seeing, even though we won't be able to hear about it because the season's over, is a bunch of those players are probably going to get COVIDs and you know have to you know go through whatever they need to go through to hope that it doesn't get to be bad. I mean, selfish on his part, uh, but certainly the fact that uh, you know because he should have been quarantined, they should have taken him to the hotel, and of course they didn't. It's wrong on, from baseball standpoint, and it's wrong from Turner's standpoint. I mean, he's out there with the World Series trophy, hands all over. Over it, you know, spreading all this stuff, and it's like ridiculous. Absolutely, it's an F for Justin Turner. It's an F for the Dodgers. It's an F for Major League Baseball. And he was photographed in the team picture after the game, sitting next to manager Dave Roberts. Dave mm-hmm. Roberts is a cancer survivor. Also, one of his teammates, Kenley Jansen, the closer for the Dodgers, he's had a heart condition in the past to where he's had to have an operation on it. Those are two very serious uh, conditions that his teammates have, and he's out there just acting as though nothing is is amiss about this. Just an F all around for the Dodgers. Uh, Putting his teammates at risk like that, it was just not worth it. I mean, yeah, you won the World Series. That's a dream of every baseball player, but the health of everybody is at stake here. Uh, just a total, total lapse in judgment by everybody involved. And then finally, John, on the report card, we played it in the top five. Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence asked about his future at Clemson, uh, wondering if he'll declare for the 2021 NFL draft or not. Here's what Lawrence had to say. We'll just have to see how things unfold. Um, I think there's a lot of factors in that. But honestly, just really playing this year, putting everything I have into it, not really focusing on next year, whether – you know, I leave or stay, whatever. Obviously, I have the option to do either one. Kind of my mindset's been that I'm going to move on, but who knows? There's a lot of things that could happen. So just really focusing on this year, not trying to look ahead, not trying to worry about that. Obviously, I can't control it. And really just trusting that God has a plan for me no matter where that is, no matter where I go, whether that's across the country or that's close to home or I stay another year, no matter what it is, you know, we'll work it out. So. Uh, I'm not sure. That's a that's a tough one, but uh, we'll see how it all unfolds. So a bit of a non-answer yeah. when asked uh, about his future at Clemson or in the NFL. So how are we grading Trevor Lawrence? I'm going to give it a B because people are going to read into it as I don't want to go to the Jets. And we'll have to see if that's going to be the case. Because remember, when Joe Burrow 
was starting to be touted as the number one pick in last year in this past draft. He <clears throat> his father did not want him to go. Jordan Palmer did not want him to go to the Bengals, and because you know Carson knew <clears throat> the difficulties that he had there, but you know this Northern Ohio guy decided, yeah, I'm going to be fine with it, and he seems to be having maybe a rookie of the year season. And so I think this was the best way to answer it. I mean, don't answer it. It's like, hey, I don't have to make that decision now. Let me look at what's happening when we get to January, and then I'll make the decision. I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, I'll, I'll give uh, Trevor Lawrence, I'll, I'll give him a B- minus on this one. I, I think it's, considering the circumstance, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in any basket no. if I were him right now. you got to leave all your options open uh, if you're him. But hey, if he wants to dec- declare for the 2021 draft, he's the number one pick. He's going to get a, a nice payday. If he wants to stay in school for another year, he's probably going to be the 22, uh, you know, number one overall pick. So, when he decides he wants to go, he's going to be the number one overall pick. He doesn't have much to lose by uh, being noncommittal about anything right now. So that is it for today's report card, John. Okay, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go into Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line to take your text questions, which I should, I know you have a, lo- a bunch. <laughs> text us at 710-710. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And with time to go on the busy hard seltzer text line for what should be a busy text segment here, you can text us at 710-710 and get your questions registered. Curtis, what do we have? John, you're right about it being busy. 253 wants to know, John, if the Seahawks are done adding after the Carlos Dunlap I'd trade. say no. I think that you know there's got to be maybe some subtracting and some shifting and things of that nature just because, again, you know there's a little bit of a cap difference that has to be made up. And, again, if they can't get any kind of a deal to, say, move somebody that frees up cap room and gets a draft choice or so, then I think what you're looking at is that they're going to uh, you know have to you know do something. So in the end, I think that uh, they'll figure figure this all out and you know try to do something but I don't think they're done yet. I mean, hey, John Snyder is going to push it to the end. He realizes that uh, you know some things are needed, particularly on the defensive line. I mean, this week, you know, I think Snacks Harrison is going to be able to play, so he'll be the addition on the roster coming off the practice squad. You know, they got Carlos Dunlap for next week, but I don't think they're done. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, would Seattle have interest in Dontari Poe if and when he gets cut? I don't, I mean, I tend to doubt it because, you know, they, that's why they picked up Damon Snacks Harrison. And I don't, do you see what Eric Reed, you know, the safety who... He yeah, declined an offer. Yeah, well, here, and here's the silliness on his part. And again, it's like, you got to recognize what's going on. I mean, again, uh, he rightfully so is uh, feeling as though it, you know, he's being because of his stand on uh, Black Lives Matter and his protests and things like that. The league's out to get him and nobody wants him. Well, here they wanted to bring him back to Washington when they lose Landon Collins. And it's like you look at how guys are signing right now. They're doing it like Snacks Harrison and Michael Kendricks. You go on the practice squad. You show that you get in shape and you get on the roster. So he declined it. So does that mean he doesn't want to play football? Because his line was, oh, I don't I don't think. I'm getting the value I should. Well, guess what? You had no value if you have no job. You had a job. You blew it. 
425 wants to know, John, could Alden Smith be next to go from the Cowboys? Mm, you know, that, that's a guy that I would really consider if I'm Seattle because, uh, you know, he's, he's played well. I mean, believe it or not, once he came off this, you know, this, getting in signing in that, he's been the starter. I mean, he started ahead of Everson Griffin. And so I don't know where the uh, uh, Cowboys stand as far as they're doing it, but I, I think you know that can be a viable option because, remember, he's a linebacker, and a former linebacker can probably play some Leo. I think I'd consider it. Another 4 2 five, uh, interesting question for them. They want to know, John, if Pittsburgh wins the Super Bowl this year, mm-hmm. do you envision Big Ben retiring following the year? No, I don't, no. I think he wants to play at least two more years. And, and I kind of think that's the that's the nature of what you're looking at, is that uh, you know he still wants to play, and he's playing very well. People, it was funny because people were saying, well, gee, he's not going to be the same after the elbow injury. Well, he's better. And so it's like uh, he's enjoying it. It's successful. I mean, they're now the number one seed in football, even over the Kansas City Chiefs, because they got Big Ben, good receivers, and a, a top five defense. Uh, this one comes to us from the 509. They want to know, John, which teams would have the most most interest in trading for J.J. Watt? Mm, you know, even though they can't do it, I mean, Pittsburgh, because you already have two Watts on the Pittsburgh team, and you know, but they don't have the cap room to be able to pull off that kind of a deal. You know, Houston would have to pull a deal like they did with Jadevian Clowney and pay a good portion of his salary. And so, uh, you know, that could be one. Uh, you know, you're looking for, you know, a, a good defensive lineman. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, overall, I think it's going to be tough to trade him. Uh, another Watt question. Yeah. This one from the two five three. They want to know which will be the better group of brothers when it's all said and done: the Watts or the Bosas? Mm, well, I'd say it would be the Watts because uh, as great as the Bosas are, and you're talking about you know two Bosas that are, are good enough to be defensive players of the year. You know, you've got uh, you know that a group right now with uh, Watt. Who I mean, you know, Watt certainly is a Hall of Famer. T.J. T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh is uh, up for Defensive Player of the Year, so I'd lean toward that. And then, of course, you've got a very good fullback in Derek Watt. So I'd go with the Watts because it's three to two. Four two five wants to know, John, what do you think the Seahawks will do at running back this weekend? <sighs> good question. I mean, hope that Carlos Hyde's going to be healthy enough to battle through the tight hamstring. You know, hope that maybe that uh, Travis Homer is able to you know fight off that knee injury. You know, I still wonder. You know, at this at this stage, do you consider, and I think it's got to be a consideration, calling Marshawn Lynch, having him go on the practice squad, and you know, giving him the opportunity to get in shape and be available if necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, we still don't know exactly on Chris Carson, but it doesn't look good for this week, or maybe even next week, but uh, you know, as Pete Carroll said, they got to be creative, but man, how creative can you get? It's, that's definitely one way to do it. And remember, it's like, okay, C.J. Procise was cut by Houston, but if they wanted him, uh, they could have called him, but apparently you figure they didn't because he ended up signing with the Texans practice squad. This one from the 206, they want to know, what do you think the odds are Jacob Hollister gets traded? I think there's a chance. I mean, I hate to say it because I like him so much. I mean, I liked him from the very beginning when they picked him up for the seventh-round pick. Then you talk to him, you find out he's a great person, great football player, has 4.55 speed. I still wonder, with the situation back in New England, where you have two third-round picks who haven't worked out yet, they've combined for one one catch, and you've got another tight end, Larry Izzo, that has six would they consider getting hollister but of course they may be in a selling mode and say no this one john uh, a couple of numbers want to know 
Uh, do you think Clay Matthews returns at all in 2020? Mm, looking doubtful. I mean, it's gone this long. <clears throat> you can never rule it out. I mean, you know, he's going to have to take the decision, you know, because I know he wanted about $5 million a year or on a one-year deal. Wasn't able to get it. And now to go on anywhere, you pretty much have to sign on the, on the practice squad, and he may be reluctant to do it. So I'd say right now, no, but you never rule it out. This one from the 253, they want to know, besides defensive line, do you see any other positions the Seahawks could address before the deadline? Well, I mean, uh, you, you kind of wonder about running back, but again, they've got enough talented running backs, it's just that they're not all healthy. I mean, you got you know, Rashad Penny coming off the PUP, he's available, but is he going to be able to be there? Again, that's why today's 130 press conference with Pete Carroll is so important, to get some guidance where they are at running back, <clears throat> but I think they're they're deep enough on the offensive line. I still think that they don't need to add a wide receiver in a trade. If they find something that's out there, fine, as long as it's not Antonio Brown, which is, that history's gone. And then, uh, you know, nothing in the secondary. I, I think overall, it's just a matter of getting some guys healthy, but again, defensive line, I think, is the key. This one from another 253. They want to know, uh, would Seattle have any interest in Eli Apple or Daryl Worley? Mm, well, and Daryl Worley, no, because he's not that fast. Eli Apple fits the dimensions of what uh, what this team likes. And, uh, you know, he's been fighting a hamstring injury all through. And he's a former first-round pick. You know, that could be a consideration. Yeah, he's got those. Uh, the, what is it? The thirty-two inch arms. Yeah, yeah. got to have thirty-two gotta inch have arms. Thirty-two inch arms. That's can't can't have anything can't have less. No, no. Uh, this one, John from the two hundred six. They want to know. You think Seattle will try to utilize Nick Ballore more in their offense? Mm, they might have to. Yeah, because again, I mean, he's a fullback and he's a running back. So. Not that he's going to be able to you know, get the good yard per carry average and all that stuff, but that's part of the creative nature of these things. You know, what you also wonder about is that, uh, you know, do you do some you know, uh, jets, jet sweeps and things like that with uh, Tyler Lockett and you know, maybe even David Moore? Do you try to do some things like that? I mean, you know, if, if you don't have the real good starting running backs, as Pete Carroll said, you've got to be creative. And right now, how creative is going to depend, depend on the injury list? And then finally, John, this one from the 503. They want to know, who do you think has more receiving yards on Sunday, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? Hmm. I think it's going to be uh, Metcalf this week because, you know, I know that, uh, you know, it looks like Juan Williams will be back. You know, we still have to find out about Richard Sherman. Uh, You know, they're still banged up. I know that they've had a good play out of uh, Jason Verrett. He's really done a nice job. So, But I think the matchup right now with all the injuries in the secondary, particularly if uh, Richard Sherman's not there, can favor DK Metcalf. That is going to do it for text questions. Okay, and of course, coming up next, I can't wait to talk to him about the World Series and what happened last night. Uh, let's talk with our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And Dave, I apologize up front because I, I want to get into the World Series, but I can't do it without you having to respond to the Carlos Dunlap trade because there's so much interest in that. It was a Seahawks trading for a defensive lineman, a defensive end, who's had 82 and a half career sacks, <clears throat> 31 years old. He was drafted at second-round pick in 2010. And Seahawks gave up B.J. Finney, who hadn't really played, and a seventh-round pick. Your thoughts? Um, let's hope that Carlos Dunlap still got something left in the tank. I'm not, not sure why he wasn't playing so much for the Bengals this year. He wasn't. Um, they got a new, uh, new group in there, obviously. So it's not, 
it's not a Marvin Lewis decision, and Marvin Lewis was who he played for and, and was a two-time Pro Bowler uh, under. Um, 31 years old, as you pointed out, 81 and a half sacks in his, his career. Finney was, was I guess you'd call him a bust from yeah. uh, from the perspective of the Seahawks. And John Schneider gets rid of him, helps his cap situation a little bit, a seventh-round pick. Uh, so you got a you got a move that, that looks very good on paper, and if Dunlop's got anything left, it's going to be very good on the field. Yeah, no doubt. And so, uh, and I, I just don't you get the feeling that this is not uh, this is not the end to the possible moves. Oh, I think they absolutely right. Yeah, I. In a word, yeah. I think they're probably still uh, still keeping their eyes open. They've got what five six days still to be active. So I, w- I would think so. Uh, I would think that that this is. This is not the end of what they'd like to do. Whether it's the end of what they can do remains to be seen. Yeah, no question about it. All right. World Series, uh, the decision by the Tampa manager to pull Blake Snell after five and a third innings, 73 pitches, when he was having maybe the best pitching performance of his career. Where do you rank that as far as stupid moves? Uh, Way up there. And look, I understand analytics and, and that. And analytics don't back up that move at all. Um, I think Tom Verducci made a great point on the broadcast when when he pulled him before he faced Mookie Betts, who hit 218 against lefties this year, the worst in the majors. Uh, they put in a righty to face him, uh, who had been struggling at an ERA of over five. Uh, Nick Anderson, who has been a great reliever in the regular season, was not having a good World Series. Uh, you saw the Dodgers' faces completely change. That's not an analytics thing. Uh, they, they, it was, it was a complete difference in approach and feeling. It took six pitches before they took the lead that they never gave back. Snell had a ton left, was dominant, um, and I think it was a deflating move. It was a move that didn't make sense with, with statistics, and Kevin Cash is going to have to answer to it. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a, a guy who was committed, you know, his, his commitment to analytics was he wasn't going to face Betts or Seeger a third time was what, what Kevin Cash said, and it's what got them there, but, you know, the World Series is, is something different. Playoffs, as Bobby Cox said once, is, is a roll of the dice. It's not the regular season. You don't have the same approach you have in the regular season. Uh, it was a terrible mistake, no matter how you slice it. And, um, look, I think it cost them the game. And uh, in, in a sense, because of what happened with Justin Turner afterwards, baseball is lucky that, that, uh, that it ended in six. Oh, no doubt. And again, I think you're, you're right in the sense that this had to be one of the worst moves ever. And it just shows a coach who... I you wonder it's like as good as he is that should he even be a coach in that position because to take that kind of a move and uh, you know not watch what you're seeing I mean coaching is one thing analytics is another but you have a pitcher out there dealing nine strikeouts 73 pitches won the Cy Young award if I'm him uh, Blake Snell I want traded well yeah I mean you know I mean if you're cash you got to read the situation it's the World Series you've got to you got to look at that Dodger dugout and see that these guys were overmatched in this circumstance. That this was the time to do what Dave Roberts wound up doing with the, with the, the guy who closed the game out and had him go for three for three innings. Um, you know, it took Roberts a while to learn that. Kevin Cash hasn't been in this situation a lot. He's a good manager, John. He's he's done a ton with a little. You know, Tampa has got the lowest payroll by. I think Mookie Betts is making almost as much as that entire team is making. Uh, he gets him to the postseason, uh, so uh, it's a learning experience. It's a painful one for the for the Rays, but. No, I don't think he should lose his job over it. No, but of course, I mean, just a just a horrible decision. And so, are you happy for the Dodgers finally getting? Because it's hard to believe that this is their first World Series since 1988. Yeah, Kirk Gibson, 32 years. Um, you know, it's um, and it was eight straight years in the postseason. They lost to two teams that were cheating. 
in the World Series, the 2017 Astros and the 2018 Red Sox, so it's good on that sense. But, you know, I was uh, was surprised, uh, extremely surprised at the Justin Turner situation that, that – that uh, I mean, how does he test positive during a game? How did he? How did they not know that before the game? Uh, and um, you know, his celebrating afterwards was was um, was questionable to say the very least. So I think that in in the out in, in the end of it, it's it's a very 2020 thing. And uh, congratulations to the Dodgers, but um, the the Turner thing is too bad. Yeah, it really is because again, it's like it's one of those things where it's like, okay, what are you really thinking in in this regard? Because you know, it's like, did have they not followed what's going on in the rest of sports? I mean, because you know, the NBA players you have so much credit to because you know they tried the fast test and that made that available, and so then the NFLs picked it up, so you can go on a Sunday morning if somebody's going to have a problem, test them out and see where that player is, and you know, here they have a test. You you you're suspecting that he has got some problems and you have to send it to a lab the day before and waiting a day ridiculous i completely agree with you john i mean it's too bad because baseball has really cleaned up their act and had a great thing running and like i said i mean if if tampa had won that game six who knows when game seven would have been played i mean it would have been delayed it would have been delayed for for at least a couple of days so um yeah there'll, there'll be repercussions for it for sure and and look, you know, Dave Roberts is a cancer survivor, and, and Turner was taking his picture next to him. You know, there were at-risk guys on that field there. So, you know, it's kind of reflecting, you know, everything in the country and everyone getting weary with it and, you know, people wanting to, wanting to move on. But I thought it was an unfortunate circumstance. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And so now, what do you think? I mean, <clears throat> should baseball come back and put some kind of fine on the Dodgers for allowing that type of a move for him to come out on the field like that and not have a mask. Well, I think baseball, baseball bears as much responsibility for that as the Dodgers. I mean, yeah. coming out after the game, I mean, you know, baseball at that point is in charge. Says, you know, we want you to isolate. Uh, we need you to go into this room, and and uh, he broke out, and and uh, so baseball is as responsible as the Dodgers are for it. But I do think that there'll be some penalties for the Dodgers. I'm not sure what they'll be though, but there will be. And there should be a fine on baseball for just having such bad protocol because, I mean, I think that's just inexcusable. I know when we did the uh, uh, report card, I gave baseball and the Dodgers and, uh, you know, the player an F. Yeah, I agree with you, John. It was, uh, it took, it took, it took some of the, took some of the pop out of the World Series, that's for sure. No doubt. And it's just a stupid, stupid, stupid. But again, you know, I guess stupid is as stupid does. And that's the way it goes. So now uh, what what do you think the next step for baseball is? You know, when do you uh, come back and start the new series, a new season? I mean, it's a great question. I think you're, you're kind of hoping that that uh, that things will be back to normal by next spring. And, and I think you, you keep with the same uh, same timetable. You obviously learned a whole lot this year and and. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, probably overly optimistic with um, with um, cases, you know, rapidly rising in, in the states as we head to winter. But I think from a baseball standpoint, though, the hope is that you can you can be you've got four, five, six months to, to get back to as close to normal as possible next year. So that's the goal. But you have contingencies if you can't do it. OK, that's our daily dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. Now, what are you going to do without baseball? Thursday uh, <laughs> so night football, John. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Atlanta, Atlanta game, and Carolina, you fired up about that one? <laughs> Not particularly, yeah. but, um, you know, you got what you got, and now the NFL takes center stage. No doubt about it, and we'll see how that affects the ratings and everything else. And, of course, that's our Daily Dose of the Gras. Dave, we'll talk tomorrow.
Sounds good, John. Thank you. And, of course, we will be here uh, coming back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.